If you've been thinking about starting a podcast and you want to include interviews with people across town, Riverside.fm offers unbelievable high-quality recordings regardless of your or your guest internet quality. And it also gives you separate audio and video tracks for each person speaking. And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JazzyCast to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan. JazzCast Pros. Welcome to Healthy Illness Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Marie, and this is the podcast all about helping you build better relationships while living with mental health conditions. Our conversation today is backing up a little bit and addressing one of the issues that came up during my surgery and recovery process when I was in the hospital. I was diagnosed with diabetes. One in 10 Americans have diabetes and one in five people with diabetes don't know that they have it. So that's a lot. And so I I wanted to spend some time today and help you learn what diabetes is And I'll tell you a little bit about my journey, how I have been able to make the lifestyle changes I've needed to, to address having this new diagnosis of being diabetic. So like, subscribe and share. But and and before we get into our topic, if you are in crisis and need someone to talk to, please dial 988 on your phone. If you are with someone who is in crisis, please dial 988 and they will help you help the person that you're with. If you're looking for resources, you can dial 211 on your phone in the United States or go to your browser, go to 211 and do a keyword search for tools and resources in your area. Don't want you to wait to the end of the podcast to get that information. Please, if you are in need and need to speak to someone, please dial 988-988 on your phone to talk to someone that can help you through your current situation. Now, Healthy Illness is a part of the Jazz Cast Pros Network. So big shout out to Jazz the producer and editor and all around great friend who helps guide me on this podcasting journey. I am a Black woman in the United States living with several mental health uh, diagnoses. And I use my story and my journey of mental health and wellness to help you live your journey. You know, we spoke two episodes ago about advocacy, and this falls in line with that conversation as well. So by the end of today's podcast, you will know what diabetes is. You will learn about Ozempic, a medication that people with diabetes take to help with their diabetes. And we'll learn some questions to ask your doctor in order to better manage your health. So we know physical health and mental health is all related. And my uh, physical health journey collides or, or rides alongside with my mental health journey. And in having the back surgery, the spinal fusion in my T1 through T3 spinal area, so right below my neck, Um, That first little part of your spine of your back was fairly traumatic. You know, I wasn't able to walk. 
earlier part of this year, I was not able to walk well. I, I was still able to take steps. I was walking with a cane, but I was not able to drive anymore. I was not able to really ambulate, walk around the house. I wasn't able to do much of anything besides get in the bed and, and go to the bathroom. Um, and, and since surgery and recovery, I am back on my bike. Yes. So last time talked about my first bike ride. I am actually dressed for a bike or walk. I don't know what I'm going to do, but I am prepared to do one of the two after I finish recording today. And I'm really excited about that too. But all of this is a part of a greater picture, a greater part of my healing story. And that is being diagnosed with diabetes when I was in the hospital. So the primary information point is about diabetes today. And this is relationship with self, um, relationship with others, relationship with food, uh, relationship with medical providers, relationship with community. This one word, diabetes, is something that most folks have, have probably heard of. So all the people with diabetes, one in five of those folks don't even know that they have diabetes. Now, there's two types of diabetes. I'm talking about type 2 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes is usually found in children because your body can't make insulin at all. And insulin is something that your body needs to survive. It needs to process in your, in your body. So type 1 diabetes is something, again, that is usually found in children because you need insulin in order to survive. Type 2 diabetes, it means that your body either doesn't make or doesn't use insulin well, right? And type 2 diabetes is preventable. Type 1 diabetes, you have it, right? You're born with it. It's not something that um, is preventable at this stage in our our medical history. Uh, Type 2 diabetes, though, is mostly preventable, And for so many people to have diabetes says a lot. So I'm not going to get into all of that, but it's a a big deal. And Black folks and other minorities, cultural minorities living with diabetes have worse health outcomes when it comes to diabetes. So for example, in the U.S. here, Black people are 300% more likely, that is correct, 300% more likely to be hospitalized because of complications from diabetes. There is talk around health changes. And, you know, my day job, I I work in health equity, uh, which deals with preventable health outcome differences. And so diabetes is one of those things that uh, are preventable. Uh, Rates of diabetes are higher amongst Black folks, amongst Hispanic and Latina folks. uh, And and, the There are reasons for that, which I'm also not going to dive into today because that will go down the health equity uh, lane. And I want to stick with like health, just general health and wellness, mental health and living with healthy illness. So I've used this example in the past, right, of, of healthy illness and what it means to live a life with a, you know, healthy illness. And I've used the example of diabetes, like people with Diabetes are diabetic, period, right? There's no changing that. Like you, you're diabetic and you can still 
appear healthy. You could still have other healthy numbers when it comes to your blood work, even though you have diabetes as a diagnosis. You know, lifestyle changes, taking medication, exercising, different types of food, eating, you know, you can live a healthy life and still carry this diagnosis of being diabetic. The fact that I now have diabetes is like, wow. So how did we get here? In the hospital, two of my peeps, Annette and Rob, were there after surgery. And I asked for Skittles and Mike and Nikes as my recovery food. And so for the first couple of days in the recovery, that's what I ate, y'all. I, I, I really, I ate Skittles and Mike and Ike's. Like that was my food of choice. And so they were doing my glucose levels, which is the finger stick. They just do a little finger stick and they take that little drop of blood and put it through the little handheld machine and tell you what your glucose or your sugar levels are. I didn't know it at the time, but the numbers were coming back really high. And so because they repeatedly kept coming back high, they ran my A1C. Now, A1C, hemoglobin A1C is this test, the blood test that they do in a doctor's office or hospital, and it measures your glucose levels over a three-month period. So when they do a finger stick, that's your immediate glucose level. Hemoglobin A1C is your three-month snapshot. What has your sugar or you know glucose levels looked like over the last three months. So they ran that test and that is how you get your diabetes diagnosis. If your A1C is over a certain threshold number, you will be diagnosed with diabetes. A lot of folks have pre-diabetes and one in three Americans are pre-diabetic, which means that your A1C level is high, but not high enough. It's outside of the normal healthy range, but it's not high enough to be diabetic. And so I tested and my A1C level came back high enough. I am diabetic. And so what that means for the healing process is interesting because when your body is diabetic, it does not process sugar well, doesn't process glucose well. Again, that that whole insulin piece is a part of that equation. And your body does not heal well from injury. Well, I just had my back cut open and pieces of my spine removed and rods and, and screws put in screwed into my spine. And so I I had some injury, right? Like that that's a major, major situation. And so being diabetic and needing to heal from this physical trauma is not a recipe for success. And so what happens is your body Instead of healing, instead of the blood cells and all of the good things rushing to the, the site of the trauma. So in this case, the trauma, this physical trauma, this injury was the surgery site, right? Instead of it doing that, it likes to eat the sugar. And so you have higher levels of glucose in your system and um, that the insulin would normally help your body get rid of. And so your body ends up not healing well because of the elevated glucose levels. And if your body doesn't heal well, infection can set in. If you are no family or have heard of people um, that have had 
had to have toes and feet and limbs amputated from diabetes. It's often because they've had a cut or something that has not healed well on their feet or legs and blood flow changes. It's really a devastating illness. The doctors did not want to put me in, in that category of not healing and they immediately started me on a medication called metformin. So metformin is not insulin. It helps the body process the insulin better. It helps the body work better. And in my case, so that my body can heal. If I had gone into the doctor's office and got my A1C level and came back diabetic just under regular circumstances, um, they likely would not have put me on medication right away. But because of the surgery and my inability to walk, right, my inability to be able to prepare food for myself, my inability to be able to move my body, my inability to really make lifestyle changes in the short term when my body needed it in order to be able to heal, they placed me on medication right away. It helped with the healing process. My body began to process and do all of the things that it was supposed to do better so that I could I could heal and be where I am right now. And so Metformin, I took... If you've been thinking about starting a podcast and you want to include interviews with people across town, Riverside.fm offers unbelievable high-quality recordings regardless of your or your guest internet quality. And it also gives you separate audio and video tracks for each person speaking. And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JazzyCast to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan. Twice a day while in hospital and at home. And it's a little interesting. So the medication that I was taking for pain causes constipation. The metformin that I was taking for diabetes causes gastrointestinal issues as a side effect, usually diarrhea, upset stomach. But the two of those together, the side effects worked out that I had no I had no issues with my my stomach or my bowels, which is really cool because I was able to keep it moving. And so the downside to that though, right, is once I stopped taking the pain medication, I wasn't on pain medication long, but once I stopped taking the pain medication, I was experiencing the gastrointestinal issues and side effects of the metformin. And so my doctor switched me to Ozempic. Now, Ozempic is a once a week shot. That's a, a really small needle. It goes in here. I put it in my stomach. And so I have to give myself the shot of medication once a week. And it works similar to metformin. It is, again, for folks with diabetes. And so you might have heard about Ozempic, some famous people and folks out there in the land of media take it as a weight loss drug, but that is not its intent. That's not what Ozempic is for, but Ozempic lowers person's A1C level. It also decreases a person's risk for a major cardiovascular heart event like stroke or heart attack It with folks that uh, have heart disease. So I have high blood pressure and take high blood pressure medication. And so that was another reason why Ozempic was a good choice for me. So I had diabetes, also high blood pressure. And one of the side effects and possible benefits of using Ozempic is weight loss. So again, that is not the reason for taking medication. It is a life-saving medication for people that are diabetic. 
I cannot stress that enough. I, I started taking Ozempic. I did not have side effects. Some folks do have side effects uh, taking the medication, but I did not have that issue. If you're enjoying this episode, check out High Vibe Table Talks, where we start to remove mental barriers and take action now so you can achieve your someday desires. I'm your host, Mershawn Hargrave, and if you've ever heard that little voice inside to go after something, but the fear around the unknown felt too big, this is the podcast for you. Listen and subscribe to High Vibe Table Talks on the Jazzcast Pros Network with the podcast listener you're using right now, because it is high time you activated your high vibes. If you've been thinking about starting a podcast and you want to include interviews with people across town, Riverside.fm offers unbelievable high-quality recordings regardless of your or your guest internet quality, and it also gives you separate audio and video tracks for each person speaking. And unlike Zoom, you don't have to install anything on your computer, and your guests don't either. Head over to Riverside.fm and use promo code JazzyCast to get 60 free minutes of recording and 15% off a membership plan. The link is in the show notes. Since April 21st or 22nd, I have been knowingly living with diabetes and has it's forced me to confront some of the issues I have around food, right? Because one of the things going back in my story a bit that I made a promise to myself in my recovery when I was in the psychiatric hospital recovering from the suicide attempt, I made a promise to myself that I would do whatever I needed to in order to not end up back in that place, not to to be in the, the depths and throes of depression and mental illness as, as much as humanly possible that I was able to do. And that's where, you know, living this healthy illness, living a front seat life, that's where all of that comes from. So if you remember the episodes with Chef Alexa around sugar and my issues with sugar and the tears I've cried over sugar and not being able to kick this sugar addiction and sugar issues, I was shook because now that I'm diabetic and I know that sugar truly is an enemy from a life or death perspective, I had some changing to do. I can say that April 22nd, the day of my diagnosis was the last day that I had my Knikes or Skittles. Um, not the last day that I had sugar, but my life has drastically changed for the better. And I will, I'm going to spend some time outlining what that looks like and the lifestyle changes I've had to make. But a part of the initial recovery was how do I help people help me? I had a lot of folks that wanted to help out and bring food by and wanted me to recover well, right? I, I could not cook. I couldn't be up in the kitchen chopping it up, which I don't do no way, but you know, if I wanted to, I couldn't. But um, how could I articulate that to folks without appearing to to be mean or, or cruel or, you know, unappreciative of their help and assistance. And so I've worked with the folks in the hospital. So they sent up as a part of the recovery process. So 
one of the things you can advocate for if you are a family member in a hospital and you receive a diagnosis is education. They have educators in the hospitals that can help you with a new diagnosis. You hopefully don't have to ask, but if they don't offer, ask. That is a way that you can advocate for yourself or for a loved one. You can ask for assistance in understanding what this diagnosis is. And so I did have a dietitian come up and diabetes coach, diabetic coach come up to my room and taught me all about diabetes. And what's funny is I actually teach diabetes prevention classes, but it's different when you have it yourself, right? And I heard things for the first time that I already knew, but it it hit differently because it was directly related to me and my health, me and my well-being. And because I know how diabetes can ravage a body, I knew that I had to figure out how I was going to live my life with this diagnosis so that my physical body could heal. I cannot imagine, like there's no, there's no amputating your back. If this incision doesn't heal, if this muscle doesn't grow back, if these nerves don't reconnect, if my body does not do the things it needs to in order to heal, there's no coming back from that. Like there isn't any, like the body has, my body had to be able to heal, period. Right. And so I was confronted with this like life or death challenge. And it sounds a little maybe extra if you don't have diabetes or you don't understand the impact of of what diabetes can do to a body. But diabetes is nothing to fuck with. Like straight up, it is not for play. And so working with the dietitian and trying to understand now for me what this is going to look like. How am I going to live? How do I, again, help people help me? I immediately went to Blue Apron, not immediately, like I met with the dietitian that like we talked about insulin and they taught me how to use the glucometer, which is the little machine, it's upstairs, but little machine that I use every day to, to check my glucose level. So that initial pinprick, right? Being able to see what my glucose is doing right now. I had to do that several times a day. So they taught me how to use that machine, taught me what foods are good to eat. And I already know what foods are generally good to eat, right? But it's different now. It's different now. What fruits are good, which vegetables are best. I'm generally a healthy eater. My issue truly is sugar and snacks. I love snacks. But how do I begin to make this forever lifestyle change? It's been a journey. It's it's been a journey. And so what I did after meeting with the dietitian, I'm in the hospital. I don't have no place to go, nothing to do, right? But heal. I um, started thinking about how I can better prep for the future. Back in April, how do I prep for the future? And I go to Blue Apron. I love Blue Apron. I don't have no plug with Blue Apron. I don't have no plug with Ozempic. I'm just sharing with you the things that I've used, the things that I've used on my healing journey. Went to Blue Apron and reactivated my account to get meals delivered to the home. So food prep for me is really what it is. I, um, for the most part, live by myself, got a college kid, adult children, a college kid is home during college breaks, right? But Blue Apron, you can order up to four 
servings of a recipe. So it's just me if I order four servings of a recipe, that's one meal plus three. So I cook one time and now have four meals, the meal I'm about to eat and then three others for the future. For the people that wanted to bring food over and like cook for me, I asked them if they wanted to come over and help me cook. And I had great fun with my girlfriends coming over and hanging out and cooking. We cooked together and we made these blue apron meals. We shared a meal together. That still left me with two more servings that I could eat in the future. And I I got quality time in with them and I got food I knew I could eat, right? So they, my concern was, you know, like, would you, me asking someone to come over and help me cook versus them cooking in their home, with their stuff, you know, making what they wanted to make. Nobody had a problem with that. Everybody loved it, thought it was a great idea. Big shout out to Pastor George and Ebony A for grocery shopping for me and buying me all the diabetes food. You know, people really rallied around me and and where I was in my journey because I was able to articulate and advocate for myself what my needs were. So being able to do that, to advocate for yourself, gives you the opportunity to give other people the opportunity to help you and meet you where you are. Like this advocacy thing is so very important and comes out in many ways. So at this point in my my journey, I have not had a new A1C level screening yet. I had to wait three months plus some time because of the medication change and my doctor wanted to, you know, make it right, like let's test and see what's actually happening versus what could be happening, give my body a chance to heal. So I do have an A1C test coming up soon, but since April, I had lost weight. And that is one of the suggestions for people, regardless of where they are on the weight scale, is to lose a few pounds. American Diabetes Association, CDC, recommend like 10% of your body weight as a indicator. And that's shown to also help with A1C levels also helps with like literally how much weight you're carrying around on your body. And so as of today, I've lost 45 pounds, which is wild. But keep in mind, before my surgery, I was doing nothing. I was still eating the same junk food, all the things and not moving, literally not moving my body. I was working from home, from my bed, like I was not moving. And so um, immediately after the surgery, if you saw the video on IG, like I was walking right after the surgery, like as soon as the anesthesia were off, I was up and moving. So immediately saw some weight changes and then the change to my diet, right? Ozempic has helped. I think in, in how it works, it changes your your stomach's fullness level, like food stays in your stomach longer. So you feel fuller longer and it it does something with appetite suppression, but that's not a good word. I don't have the desire. I don't have the draw. I don't have the pull to sugar that I had. That was immediate. Let me tell you, they told me I had diabetes. My desire for sugar left my body like that. I don't know. I thank God, like I'm counting all joy. But as I've, I've kind of gone back 
into the swing of life and living and I'm traveling again, right? And all of the things, what does that mean for me? And I do believe that the medication lifestyle change and, and this promise that I made to myself kicked in. And similarly, you know, it was a perfect storm back in 2013 when I um, tried to take my life. And I, I, I think this is another perfect storm for me in living again and being able to take each step with, with new purpose. And so I'm sharing all of these bits and pieces with you because like always, I don't want you to have to to get to the darkest of the places in order to be able to make the changes that you want and, and to be present and live right now for right now for tomorrow. And so I'm sharing all of this with you because healing is possible. And this journey is only just beginning. This is not something, even if I end up with the ridiculously low A1C level and it's back in the normal range, right? Like I still am diabetic and that is still something that I will need to live with for the rest of my life, but it doesn't have to be a death sentence. It doesn't have to be the end of fun things. It doesn't have to be the end of good food, right? But it does mean that I need to live differently. I need to embrace all of the things that I know, quote unquote, I need to use all of the tools. And that is going to be a journey of highs and lows. It is not going to always be great. It's not always going to be fun, but it's, it's progress and it's a part of the journey. And so I encourage you, no matter where you are, no matter what you might be facing, to look at how you can advocate for yourself in order to get the support that you need. It may be asking a question. It may be saying no. It may be, you know, lifestyle changes. And, you know, I'm thankful that I'm in a place in life that I have the resources to be able to make lifestyle changes that work with me and my personality. You know, I'm able to buy better foods. I'm able to do something like meal prepping and and food service through something like Blue Apron. And everyone doesn't have that ability. And so I understand that and appreciate that you may not be in that place. But what can you do? What changes are there? What resources are there? If you're listening to this podcast, right, there are resources on the internet that can meet you where you are. There are diabetic tools for people that are on a budget or may have low income or fewer resources, may not have access to medication like Ozempic. Like it is necessary for you to be able to live within the options that you have available to you. And how can you do that? So what are some questions that you can ask? One, go to the doctor, right? Ask your doctor what your options are. Be open with your doctor and let them know what you do and don't have access to. Let them know what you can and cannot do, right? I was at home for weeks and was able to allow my body to adjust to medication. I wouldn't have that opportunity right now because I'm healthy enough that I have to get up and go to work every day, right? So in that space I was in initially is not where I am now. And so the conversation with my doctor would look different now, right? Because I do have to get up. I can't be tied to the bathroom. So have that conversation. The more you share, the more they're able to help and assist. 
you know, being open and honest with friends and family and letting them know what your needs are. If they don't like it, they don't have to like it. But whose life is it? It's your life, right? And so what would be helpful to you? They don't have to accept it. But if they don't know, they don't even have an option, right? So what do you need? Where can people assist you? You might be surprised with where people are able to meet you at. Doing things like going for a walk or going for a bike ride, right? Everybody doesn't have a bike. Like, I get that. Everyone's neighborhood isn't safe. I get that. What is happening in your home? What can you do? Do you have stairs in your home? Perhaps, you know, you can walk up the stairs and not all of them, like walk up to, walk down to. You don't have to take them all, but what can you do in your home in order to to get a little movement in? Life is wild, right? And, and who has time to go to the gym? I mean, some people do. I know people that spend hours in gym and I love them for it. That is not me. I will park further away from the door now that I can walk further, right? I couldn't do that initially. I was in a handicapped spot right at the front of the building, right? And so if that is your situation, right? Or if you are using rideshare and you're getting dropped off at the building, so you're at the grocery store, walk around the grocery store a little longer, get some extra steps in. There, there are ways. We just have to be able to begin to be creative. Think about the last episode, says who? Who says you have to do a thing that way? You can examine it, pick it apart, and do it in a way that's best for you. Greetings, everyone. My name is Ra. Yes, I am the host of Father Torch. I would like to take this time to invite you in my discussions on very, very important topics of being a black and brown father in today's society. Being a parent, the other parent, we face trials and tribulations too. We have worries, we have feelings. Here at Father Torch, we promote the advocacy of being the dad you wish you had. Join me at fathertorch.com. So I would like to know what those things are. What are you doing? What are you changing? How can you make some changes in your life so that you are getting the best out of the situation that you're in? Again, if you need resources, don't know where to go, don't know where to call, maybe you're looking for a diabetes prevention program. Those things exist. Call 211 or go to 211 in your browser and do a keyword search, diabetes, diabetes help. There are lots of resources out there. If you are in crisis, right, please dial 988. There is someone waiting 24 hours a day, seven days a week to talk just to you. 988 on your phone. Okay. And if you don't know what to say to a friend or someone that you've met that may be in crisis, you too can dial 988 on their behalf. And the folks that answer will help you help the people that you're with until assistance can arrive. I love being here with you. I love sharing this time with you. I thank you for sharing this time with me. As always, you know, be the light. And I am going to go out and uh, go for a, a, a walk or a ride. I don't know which. Head over to IG, The Front Seat Life, and you'll find out which option I took. I'll post it over there. Like, subscribe, and share, and all things be your best, be the light. Until next time, you got this.
Hey, if you like this episode, check out Getting Real with Bossy, where we chat about what it's like to be a woman business owner. You'll hear interviews with women who are doing what it takes to succeed and the reality of what that looks like. We cover all the topics, figuring out the rules and regulations, navigating business partnerships, even if that's your spouse, motherhood while running a business, working within your values, and all the ups and downs of being the boss. Are you ready to get real? Pop over to our podcast, Getting Real with Bossy. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Kelly. And I'm Kelly. The host of Getting Real with Bossy, the real, raw, and honest podcast about small business ownership. We created Bossy to be a safe place to ask the hard questions and to get support that's necessary. With our experience, nine businesses in over 25 years, we continue to bear it all and share what we wish we had known. We move past the must-be-nices and start getting real. Come along as we interview small business owners and get the true story. Leave with another tool for the next time you feel alone on this journey. Business ownership leads to unexpected knowledge. What are you an expert at? Tell us at Getting Real with Bossy and subscribe today.